Hello, hello everyone and welcome to the sixth episode of the Worm Burner Podcast. I'm your host Justin and for this week I really wanted to talk about a particular subject that not a lot of people have put time and effort into really explaining or putting a deep dive into it per se and that's buyout clauses or release clauses to some parts of the world. It is a very niche and not very much talked about part of soccer that has really developed the sport in general over the past 20 to 30 years, setting ridiculous release clauses, as you'll see in the breakdown of that, and then going to our league breakdown of the week with the Argentine Premier League this week, going back to South America. It's going to be a really crazy trip, and then Finishing off with our extra man advice of the week. If you have not already, go to our Facebook page and like us, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. And then if you have not seen our website, it is the Wormburner Podcast.captivate.fm. Again, that is the Wormburner Podcast.captivate.fm. Wherever you listen to your podcast, I highly advise you to subscribe or like so that way you can keep up to date to when we post our episodes. Now, let's go ahead and get into the release clauses around the world of soccer. So, for release clauses in the soccer world, there has been a lot of of recent activity when it comes to release clauses in the past 20 years there has been so much development based off of release clauses in the world of soccer just in general I think the number one story that we have to talk about when it comes to release clauses and our example explaining release clauses is Neymar Jr. I I feel like this is an obvious one mainly due to the fact of it being so recent but also explaining how powerful a release clause can be. So, if you are not aware, there was a player by the name of Neymar Jr. that transferred between Barcelona and PSG. So, he was a Barcelona player, and he had a release clause in his contract for 222 million euros. So equivalent to U.S. dollars, that's about 270 million U.S. dollars. And when it comes to a release clause, basically what that says is if another team comes to, say, Barcelona for this example, with 222 million euros to buy that said player... Barcelona can say nothing about it. They have to accept the offer. Things like that can happen in the world of soccer and at much smaller values. The reason I say that is because 222 million euros is the largest release clause ever activated in the world of soccer. That's That has made Neymar Jr. the most expensive soccer player in the world because of that release clause. Of course, all of the release clauses, or most of the release clauses, are lower than that. Now, there are active release clauses in contracts that are larger than the 222 million euros that Neymar Jr. was purchased for, but that's 
a little bit ahead of us. So when it comes to release clauses, if you, as a player you are going to a club but you want to grow as a player, you're going into this new club at 22, 23, maybe even 18 years old, and you want to grow as a player, but you don't want to stay at that one club. You can put in a release clause in your contract stating that if any team comes in for you specifically with a certain amount of money, the club that you are then playing for once you sign the contract cannot refuse that amount of money. So let's take another example. There's a new player going to, let's say, LA Galaxy here in the United States. He signs his contract, but in his contract there is a 2.5 million US dollar transfer fee or transfer clause or release clause. If any team inside or outside of the United States puts in a bid for 2.5 million US dollars they can bypass the club completely and offer the player a contract. This in turn puts 100% power, at least to the standard of the release clause, to the player's discretion. They are the ones deciding their fate if it's a very low release clause. Now, going to the high ends of the release clause, the five largest release clauses in soccer is actually all the same amount. So five players currently have the largest release clause in the world of soccer. Those players are Karim Benzema, Federico Valverde, Pedri Gonzalez, Ansu Fati, and Ferran Torres. So Karim Benzema and Valverde are both with Real Madrid, and Pedri Ansu Fati and Ferran Torres are with Barcelona. Those release clauses are currently set at 1 billion euros. B. Billion euros. Those are currently the largest release clauses in the world of soccer. And I don't think those are going to be activated anytime soon, to be honest. There is a lot of money in soccer. I'll give it that. Not that much, though. <laughs> 1 billion euros, that's just... It leads to a influx of prices for players. And ever since, I mean, we've really seen Neymar's release clause being activated, there has been this increase of player value that a lot of people didn't really see. Before the Neymar transfer, you're talking about players barely going over 100 million euros but now it seems like chump change prior to the covid pandemic as well too the the covid pandemic really readjusted things i think it is really put on a new perspective for the soccer world that release clauses aren't most likely going to be met to the standard that psg did for neymar junior but with the amount of money that has really gone into soccer, I wouldn't be surprised that sometime soon it goes back to those numbers. Whether they do or not, that's a completely different story. Now, going back to when I was talking about the LA Galaxy example of just a random player between the age of 18 to 22 getting a new contract with the LA Galaxy, he can put in 
a release clause stating that anybody that came that came in for him specifically in the amount of 2.5 million US dollars the LA Galaxy couldn't say anything about it they had to accept it I did say inside or outside of the United States that's a very key thing that I wanted to elaborate on a little more because some stipulations can be made on a release clause that are different wherever you go in the world one of those stipulations is I know for a fact that in Brazil one of the key things that they have in their contracts is they can have a domestic release clause so what that means is any team within Brazil can put in a transfer of a certain amount and then the team that owns the player could not say anything about it it only applies to Brazilian teams in Brazil per se for this example now I know that there are other examples within Europe that I've seen that some teams or some play sorry some players have release clauses for Champions League or continental competition teams. So any team that's within a continental competition, they can say yay or nay, or the player can say yay or nay to those contracts. The teams themselves, if they have that release clause met, can't say anything about it. And it goes back to me saying that this puts the power in the player's hands completely now you say when a when a player gets a release clause activated can they reject the contract offer from this new team because if you have stuff like in the United States like a trade for example in the NBA or the MLB or the NFL something like that players don't have a say in that Players don't have a say in those transfers or those trades. But in soccer, the players actually do. The players can actually say no to a specific contract if they don't feel that they'll be utilized the way that they want to or they have the right money amount for the contract. The player can say no, but the team cannot reject the offer if it's met a specific threshold of the amount being due to the club that has been pre-negotiated in the player's contract when he first signed with the club. Now, I have seen cases where players have actually had their release clause put out of a contract where there originally it wasn't a contract, but then it was worked out of the contract later on in his career at that team. Maybe he may not garner enough interest from big teams that they would they won't go in for that player for that transfer for that release clause. A lot of things like that can happen in the soccer world, but this gives you a little bit of a in-depth analysis of release clauses and to leave with an interesting fact about release clauses that honestly I didn't really pay too much attention to when it came to the soccer world itself. I knew buyout clauses were in contracts and all of that, but what I never realized was that in Spain they actually made it mandatory for all clubs to have release clauses for their players in 1985. They actually made it mandatory 
for all La Liga teams in Spain to have a buyout clause. I actually never knew that. I hope that you guys would gain some interesting knowledge with that, so that's why I shared it. And so let's go ahead and get into the breakdown of the League of the Week, the Argentine Premier League. Alright, so for our league breakdown of the week, let's go ahead and go to Argentina to go over the Argentine Premier League. It has seen a lot of history over the 130 years it has been instated in Argentina from from. From the 12th of April, 1891 was the first time the Argentine Premier League was founded. It has had a lot of different champions holding the title in Argentina. There have been 28 different teams that have lifted the Primera Division in Argentina. The most successful five of those teams is River Plate with 37 titles, Boca Juniors with 34 titles, Racing Club with 18, Independiente with 16, and San Lorenzo with 15 titles under their belt. This has seen a lot, a lot of competition. I highly advise if anyone has the ability to see the Argentine Premier League, another big positive for me personally of seeing this league is you see a lot, and I mean a lot, of young talent about to be recognized into the world. This is this can also be said with the Brazilian League. I never highlighted it though with the Brazil Brazil League, so I don't want to take that away from them. But you will see a lot of stars being born in the Argentine Premier League and plus a lot of players that are growing old in their age and they want to pl- they still want to play in a competitive league in the world. Argentina and Brazil are those two leagues in South America that are very, very competitive. They take their trophies very seriously. Of course, other countries still do. Argentina and Brazil take it to a whole nother level. Now, as for the domestic cup competition in Argentina, there is a bit of an oddball when it comes to it compared to the rest of the countries that we've gone over. The Copa Argentina was first founded in 1969, and it actually lasted for two seasons, from 1969 to 1970, when in fact, actually, the last season of the Copa Argentina was never decided a winner in itself. The actual second leg of the final was never played thus far thus not even giving a champion of the competition in the 1970 rendition of the Copa Argentina. But in 2011, it was relaunched as the premier domestic cup competition in Argentina. And since then, it hasn't gone and disappeared anywhere. 
of the teams that have competed in the Copa Argentina, there are five teams that have actually won the competition. So out of these teams that have won the competition, in ranking order, who's won the most is Boca Juniors with four titles, River Plate with three titles, Rosanero Central with one title, Arsenal Football Club, which is different than the English Arsenal, and Huracan with one title. Now for the other competition that Argentina is really known for within the South America realm, I really wanted to highlight a competition that we haven't dove completely into and we can definitely do in another episode is the Copa Libertadores. The reason I wanted to highlight this competition is because five, four out of the top five teams of this competition, the winners, have been from Argentina. It is a predominantly Argentine-dominated competition, and it really shows. Independiente is on top of all of these teams with seven titles under their belt, beating both Boca and River Plate from the same country. Then you've got Boca Juniors in second place with six titles. Then in fourth place, jumping down to fourth, is River Plate with four and Estudiantes with four as well coming out of Argentina. The third place team that we actually skipped over is Penaral from Uruguay. So that's an interesting little shakeup with the Copa Libertadores with them having five titles under their belt. We'll actually get to them later on this year. I actually look forward to that. Now for the team that has actually never been relegated from the Argentine Premier League. It's a shock. It's only one team. I know. It's a really competitive league. The only team that has never been relegated from the Argentine Premier League is Boca Juniors. So Boca is the only team in Argentina that has never been relegated from the top flight. It's very interesting, and I highly, highly advise to watch the Derby Days of the Super Classico, they highlight this relegation of River Plate, and Boca actually have a chant taunting River Plate because they got relegated from the top flight. Those were the, the they are the two biggest teams in Argentina. And going into the next section of the league breakdown, I really wanted to take the highlighted rivalry completely into account being that the Super Classico is from Argentina. So if you are not aware, the Super Classico is the rivalry between Boca Juniors and River Plate and it has been labeled the largest derby in the world. It's not even held in Europe, which arguably some of some of if not the best teams are in Europe. The biggest derby isn't even in Europe. It's in South America with Boca Juniors and River Plate, two Buenos Aires teams from the Argentine capital. It is known as the fiercest and most important derby, and the Observer, which is an English newspaper, gave the Super Classico the number one spot in 
in the top 50 sporting things you must do before you die. That shows how significant this derby really and truly is that a country outside of Argentina gave this derby the number one slot for the number one sporting event you have to go to before you die. These two teams have been competing in the Argentine Premier League and against each other in various other competitions since the 24th of August in 1913. This is a rivalry that is over 109 years old and man has it never been turned down one match at all. These two teams absolutely despise each other. So much so that I really wanted to highlight one of the events that happened between these two teams. The Copa Libertadores in 2018 was the highlight, in my opinion, of this derby. The reason I say this is not only did these two teams go against each other in the biggest continental competition in the area, it was in the final these two teams went against each other. Imagine, imagine being a fan of either Boca or River and knowing that one of you two was coming out with the title on the other side. I can imagine just the absolute disdain on some of these fans' faces and the feeling that they could have thinking. I know that even some of them never even thought about the possibility of their rival winning it because they didn't even want to think it into existence. That's how ingrained soccer is with these two two teams going against each other. They don't even want to think about their rival winning competitions or winning titles. They don't even want to think about it. It's that much of a negative thing to them. They don't even they don't want it in their head at all. And the 2018 Copa Libertadores final really showed the world about this rivalry. And the first final, the first part of this final because the Copa Libertadores used to be a two-legged affair, now it is only a one-leg or one-game affair. The first leg of the Copa Libertadores final actually ended in a 2-2 draw. It was actually delayed because of rain uh, in the area, storm in the area. But then going into the second game of the Copa Libertadores final, the two teams were getting ready to go against each other and the Boca Juniors bus while in transit to the River Plate Stadium was attacked by miscellaneous objects, causing the window on the bus to shatter, injuring three people or three players, specifically one of them to the point that they couldn't play in the game that day. It forced FIFA and Comable, which is the governing body of South America or South American soccer, to step in and actually delay the game to allow them to sort out what was going on and to create an atmosphere that would actually allow the game to go on. I never want 
actions like that to ever be the highlight of soccer itself. If there is any way for me to be able to crop the bus incident out of the second leg of that final, I would. Because everything else was just unbelievable, minus the violence, the passion, the the quote-unquote insults that are being thrown back and forth verbally, of course. The verbal insults between the two teams being thrown back against each other or thrown towards each other. It's, it's an atmosphere that you just you want to be able to witness. Even myself, an American... I want to go to this game. I really want to witness this game before I die. And even I'm a bit skeptical when it comes to this rivalry because of the heated exchange. I've already told anyone that even wants to possibly go with me that we're not wearing any of these two teams' colors. Like, we are going in completely neutral colors we are not getting associated with any of these two teams. That That's it. End of story. Even with that, I do want to go. I really, really want to go to one of these games to be able to see that. And that's what leads to the finishing touch to the 2018 final of the Copa Libertadores. The governing bodies of soccer itself, Comable and FIFA, agreed that this should be taking place in a neutral site. Unfortunately, when it comes to the game itself, it was hosted in Madrid, Spain. That is a very long ways away from South America. I don't necessarily agree with what they did. The reason why I say that specifically is I would saw reports, I had seen stories about people literally investing everything that they had. They put down mortgages on their home. They sold possessions that were worth so much more monetarily to themselves just to go to this game. Like, it was everything to them. And the governing bodies of Comable and FIFA had designated that the game should be done in Madrid. Those tickets were ridiculously expensive to go to that game. And to be able to make it where people had to fork over an arm and a leg to go to this game, that that shouldn't be on anyone's mind is the money, per se. It should be about the entertainment. You shouldn't be forking over thousands of dollars for plane tickets and to even get to the stadium itself like that no that it should be a sport as the sport was intended to be played by everyone it shouldn't be it shouldn't be separated by dollar signs and zeros in between the the end decimal and the actual dollar amount or US dollar or euro however you want to say it there shouldn't be that in soccer i I'm sorry, that's just the way that I feel about it. And the way that FIFA FIFA and Comable handled the situation, I feel like that they could have handled it a little bit better. Maybe putting it far enough away to Argentina, you would get the right amount of people going that wouldn't necessarily threaten the potential area that they're going to be playing in. 
that's just my own personal opinion when it comes to the Super Classico, but all in all, if you have the ability to watch this game, I highly advise that you watch it because the atmosphere is crazy. The competition itself is absolutely crazy. The competitiveness between the two teams is unbelievable. I remember there was a friendly between these two teams. It was a friendly. It wasn't even for a title. It wasn't in a competition or anything. But I think there was like some some seven or eight red cards issued within that game. This is a friendly between River Plate and Boca Juniors, and there's seven red cards being dealt out? Are you kidding me? (laughs) That is absolutely insane. Now, with all of that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up the league explained for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let's go ahead and get into the extra man advice of the week. For our extra man advice of the week, let's keep it short, simple, and to the point. Something that everyone can really do. And that's get as many touches on the ball as you can in practice on your own. I feel like that's something that I have skipped over with my soccer advice of the week's. Get as many touches as you can on the ball to practice controlling it. That can do nothing but help you when it comes to the world of soccer. I know that there were players that they only went to some specific practices or they tried to get in to practice with other either younger or older teams that They know they may or may not be able to participate in, but they were getting as many touches as they could. I myself, personally, playing soccer, I used a wall just to get the touches in. That's all that matters. Get your touches in to work on your footwork. Work on accepting the ball and being able to control the ball. Anything as simple as passing a ball into the wall and giving it back to yourself can be essential when it comes to a soccer player's career practicing that touch practicing the speed of the ball being able to pass it and the more and better you are able to control the ball the better you can elongate your career when it comes to playing and being able to of course dribble learning with dribbling That all helps with that, being able to control your touch, being able to control the ball, get as many touches as you can for our extra man advice of the week. If you made it to the end of our episode, thank you, thank you, thank you, a million times thank you. I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode. This is going to be it for the sixth episode episode of the worm burner podcast i hope you guys enjoyed it if you have not already go to our facebook page and like us and follow us on facebook facebook.com forward slash the worm burner podcast and if you have not checked out our website it is the dash worm burner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm again that is the dash worm burner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm I hope you guys have a safe and amazing week coming up. There are going to be some pretty significant games. I know that with Manchester City winning 
this previous game for against Atleti. Next week, we're really going to be pushing ourselves to try to push later into the competition with our UEFA Champions League hopes. Let's Maybe we win it, maybe we don't. But regardless of what team you support, I hope you have an amazing time watching and learning about the sport itself as you also listen to this podcast. Stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.